Welcome to Templo Talk, a Mayans MC podcast. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, managing editor of The Playlist, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike D'Angelo. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Mayans, which is quickly nearing the end of its fifth and final season on FX. So, Mike, last week we had a ton of deaths. This is going to be a breather episode, right? Surely they won't kill another beloved character, will they? Yeah, nothing's going to happen in this one. They'll, they'll, they'll just take it easy. They'll chill as Mayans is known to do. <laughs> yeah. well, that doesn't happen, unfortunately. Or fortunately, <laughs> depending on, on your outlook on things. If you like exciting TV, uh, this is where it is. So for this episode, we're covering the latest installment of Mayan Season 5, which is titled Her Blacks Crackle and Drag. This is the eighth episode of the season. And after a death-filled episode last week, it doesn't appear that Mayans is ready to release the throttle much at all right now. So no. as Kick no. it on, man. Yeah, I know, right? This is exactly what we were hoping would happen. So mm-hmm. this is good. Good times. Uh, not for the characters, but for viewers. <laughs> as always, we're going to break down the new episode, talk about what happened, what it means as we approach the series finale. Then at the end of the discussion, stick around because I have another interview to share. This time I'm sharing an interview that I actually conducted weeks ago with Vincent Rocco Vargas, who plays Gilly on the show. Back when I visited the Mayan set, I actually saw them film a bit of this episode, and I got to speak with Rocco uh, because he co-wrote this episode, believe it or not. And awesome. uh, yeah, he he is an aspiring screenwriter, and Elgin James gave him a shot at this episode, which, as we will eventually talk about, kind of finishes the story of Gilly's kind of rocky home life. Um, so it's cool. Yet again, another story of Elgin James kind of uh, promoting or, or, flirt, or trying to get his people to... Uh, to pursue other ventures. We saw it with JD and Danny directing episodes. Now Rocco gets to write. So yeah, it's pretty, a lot to talk about with Rocco. Elgin's good to the family, man. He really is. He really is. So before we get to our discussion of this episode, though, I got to tell you that Templo Talk is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast, Deep Focus, The Discourse, Bingeworthy, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, Mike. Well, let's just do a, a quick little refresher here. Episode seven had a lot of deaths yeah. and including, uh, I think the two you know, highlights, maybe not the right word, uh, <laughs> are the deaths of Louisa and Creeper. And so this episode kind of deals with the fallout of that, but also uh, progressing that that damn Isaac story too. Mm. So, so let's talk about kind of the immediate end of last week's episode, which saw uh, Gara, the the member of the Mayans who shot Diaz and Diaz's second in command um, as they were leaving the clubhouse, shot and killed him. And they have to do something with those bodies, don't they? Yeah. And their idea, which is actually pretty genius, is is. to drop the bodies at the clubhouse of the Grim Bastards and do a ding-dong ditch. (laughs) 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 Which... Again, it's such a dark and morbid thing. They're dropping dead bodies of their their brothers from their their own motorcycle club at their allies' front doorstep, but they make jokes along the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's about as light as you know things get in the Mayans, and it still involves dead bodies being dragged around and left for you know people to find. Yeah, it's just funny. He's he's you know. They're, they're basically saying, like, this is your mess. You got to drag the bodies. And then when he's trying to get back in the van, the guy just keeps driving a little bit forward, a little bit forward. <laughs> it's such like a like a, a a zany, like raunchy R-rated comedy moment. But yeah, but with very real stakes, um, because obviously if the green grim bastards were paying attention to their cameras or or what was going on, they would, you know, God, who knows what would have happened there? 
But yeah, so do they even so, have cameras? Apparently not. Well, if they did, I don't know if you picked up on this, but if you watch that uh, that scene, the Mayans are wearing Sons of Anarchy gear. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. So it, it, I assume they had cameras, and and if they checked the the stuff, you, they would see that the Sons did this, which, you know. That 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 kind of picks up where we'll we'll talk about a little later with with easy kind of gathering the troops, but mm-hmm. but yeah, so so they ditched the bodies. That kind of I guess solves that issue, which was they murdered their own people, and we pick up with uh, just kind of a, a kind of a catch up of what everybody's doing. Easy's taking an ice bath. Angel's hanging out with Maverick because Louisa never came home, and Letty is still with the Broken Saints. We, we, we kind of guessed what the deal was with her and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but the, the big, I guess, kind of catch up scene is Felipe is woken up by Miguel. We assume it may be angel like coming over, but no, it's Miguel. And they have this really kind of heartbreaking discussion where, uh, we'll skip ahead a little bit because Miguel and him, they talk about, I guess, life, you know, and, and, and Miguel talks about like how, he was raised by his dad and he knows his his dad wasn't great but you know that's the guy who raised him and felipe says you know you were you were conceived out of love and felipe's trying to i guess in the best way possible trying to relate to miguel but then kind of says something that that changes everything where he basically says like you know you're your your father, I grew up with him and he was a bit of a bastard and and miguel doesn't relate to that or doesn't uh, react to that very well yeah. Well, that, and then and he, he says, yeah, yeah, he doesn't forgive Felipe, Felipe, but he definitely forgives his dad or the, the person he can considers his dad, even though that guy was probably a monster as well. Yeah. And and ultimately, we see that Miguel might have had the hopes of, of you know, reconciling, I guess, with Felipe, <laughs> but sure. kind of Felipe talked him out of that. So, yeah, bit of a bummer there. We also get to uh, the other bit of fallout regarding those those deaths of the Mayans at the end of the episode, particularly Diaz. Uh, Marcus, who is finally like, you know, embracing his home life, which is nice. He is making, yeah, he's just getting to a place where he's he's happy again. <laughs> yeah, and he's making pancakes and joking around, and then he gets a phone call, and we assume it's you know, hey, you know, Diaz is killed. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll just skip ahead here because what does what does Marcus do? Marcus then goes to uh, the Suns because he has a history with the Suns. If you watch the original series, uh, Marcus has a, a deep history with the Sons of Anarchy and he goes there and he, he threatens to kill them. And is like, you know, why the hell did you do it? Who did it? Blah, blah, blah. And the, the Sons of Anarchy guy says, uh, we didn't do it. You guys kill each other more than we do. <laughs> And and then you can see in Marcus, Marcus, because he's kind of disillusioned with what EZ's doing, he doesn't even second guess what that guy says. And he's like, oh, yeah, he walks out. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's Marcus coming to realize that Easy's still easy. And uh, I think it's just the final nail in the coffin for him. You obviously see him later on burning his badges and burning everything yeah. to do with the club. So I, it, it just, it's the final straw in what should have been, you know, uh, something he wasn't even, you know, he should have been out a long time ago. All of these guys should have been out a long time ago, but Marcus obviously holds on to this because he, this is his club. So I, I, even though he's burning the badges, even though he's, you know, doing all this stuff to be like, fuck it, I'm done. 
there's always a way for the Mayans to pull him back in. So I'm sure this isn't the end for Marcus. No, I the way I took it is I, I see him burning the badges and saying, like, I'm no longer associated with the club. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if he comes back, it's not going to be his friends. If he doesn't ever come back, that's fine, too. It's just, you know, hey, I, I'm finally done with the Mayans. Yeah. Uh, Best which thing is all of the characters could do at this moment. <laughs> Obviously, no one's going to do that. No, no, no. That would be kind of bold of somebody to be like, you know, bring it to Templo and be like, hey, guys, have we ever thought about uh, dissolving the Mayans? <laughs> Just getting jobs. <laughs> I hear the McDonald's down the road's hiring. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's not happening. But yeah, so so we kind of. We don't know what Marcus is going to do. Is he going to go for revenge or not? Or does he just realize like this life is, has passed him up? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Oh, man, you think he's going to dust off some guns and just say fuck it and burn the whole place down? I mean, did you not think that that was going to happen when he, you know, gets on the bike and heads out? Like I was like, oh, he's going for blood. Oh. Um, but... I guess I didn't even think about that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So then we get what easy is his master plan kind of coming to fruition, which is the dumping of the bodies, which seemed like a, a terrible misstep actually paid off well because the grim bastards come over and say, fuck them. Uh, I'm sorry. Fuck the sons. They dropped off dead bodies. If they think they can threaten us, then we'll show them we're on your side. Easy. And Easy's like, welcome to the winning side, I guess. And, <laughs> and, and it's crazy that something is, as, as ridiculous as the Mayans killing each other actually results in getting like this major ally. Yeah. Easy just sees it as a, as a chess move, you know? Yeah. It's, it's all on the board, which is crazy. Again, we, we talked about this a bit last week and the week before, but early this season, we were talking about how easy just can't win. And it looks like everything's kind of working out for him, which He's is starting to figure out the game at least. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get some, uh, we get an update with what Letty was actually doing because Letty does actually leave the Broken Saints. She heads back to uh, what we all guessed all along, which is Isaac's uh, location where she wants to free Hope with information about what's going on with the Broken Saints. And Letty has uh, Letty has found out that they're making some sort of drugs there. And Isaac's like, oh, yes, okay. Now I get it. And And so Letty's like, Okay, well, can I have hope, please? And he's like, "Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my dear girl, you misunderstood." Like he's like, "No, you chose a sister over the sisterhood," and then he said, "You're more like Coco than I thought." What What happens next is your fault, and we know when Isaac says something like that, uh, it's never good. So uh, Letty is kind of just left there, uh, having betrayed the Broken Saints, having risked her life doing that, and and dealing with Isaac to not get hope back yeah yeah and it's yeah it's it's tragic she falls victim to one of the classic blunders according to isaac and (laughs) you know just kind of believes him and i think you know the when he says you're more like coco than i thought i think that's him just kind of redirecting this narrative that he had in his head about this revenge on Coco and he's just putting it all on Letty, you know, he wants somebody to direct this towards besides, obviously he's got something for easy and everything that's going on there, but man, he's, he's really desperate to, to have his revenge for Coco. 
Yeah. And, and poor Letty. I mean, you, you can't hate her for doing that, right? Like she wants to help hope she's risking her life, but also she's a dumb kid, you know, like all teenagers. Yeah. And she had to understand that like, this is a, this is a, a very life or death situation and you can't just assume a guy like Isaac is going to do the right thing. Um, mm -hmm. And as we find out what Isaac's plan is, which is extra fucked up is to get hope back on drugs. And she's holding strong, though, and she's holding strong because she thinks Letty's going to save her. And Isaac has another foreboding line where he says, you know, uh, Hope says, you know, Letty will come for me. She'll always she always comes. And he says, if she does, I'll tear her wings off in front of you, which is, uh, again, can't put it past Isaac. He might actually do it. Oh, yeah. You got to believe everything that guy says when it comes to violence. He, yeah. he wants it. So so we'll pick up with that a little, little bit later. As I mentioned in my intro here, uh, this episode also has quite a bit to do with Gilly, where we left, last left him. He's still dealing with the fact that his his friend and former army brother, I guess, Paul, is, is dealing with some PTSD and alcoholism just in a bad way. And because of that, he's taken in Paul's wife and, and his kid, which we found out is actually Gilly's kid. And we kind of get the conclusion of that story, which we then see CM Punk, a.k.a. Paul, drive up to the house and he is drunk and he drove drunk with the kid and yells at Gilly and basically outs Gilly for giving up the kid, confusing the kid even more, which is very sad. And Gilly just resorts to violence and punches the shit out of him. And uh yeah, eventually scares the kid who's like trying to protect his dad, which is super sad. And just to, to move ahead with this, we we see the conclusion of Gilly's story really is Gilly takes Paul to uh, to get some help and he talks some sense into him. They have a, a nice little moment where Gilly admits that, you know, the way he's dealing because because Paul's like, how are you dealing with all this PTSD and, and and everything we did? And he describes like this horrible situation where like civilians might have been killed. And Gilly says he just doesn't think about it. And and he's kind of gotten, I guess, like calloused because of it. Mm -hmm. So what what did you think of that scene? Yeah, I mean, you, you see a little glimpse of what they must have done when he says like the little girl, the grandmother, all the kids in the car. So obviously he's they've done some messed up stuff uh, overseas and one person's taking it a little, at least a little tiny bit better. Um, but Gilly was obviously in a bad place when they first got back, got back and, you know, he wasn't ready to be a dad. Uh, which kind of led to this whole situation to begin with. So they, they've all kind of created this um, in a way. And obviously Gilly wants Paul to be better for this kid, but I don't know that there's ever any coming back for Paul. Yeah, I mean, it's it's rough. It's rough because I think Gilly also realizes that he he messed up and he's not going to be able to be that dad for the kid. And, and he realizes like the best thing to do for my son is to make sure this guy gets his shit together. So at least, yeah. you know, he can be okay. And, and then what we get is Gilly comes back home and he sees that um, the woman and, and the kid are, are packing up and moving out. And he says, you know, Paul's going to try. And they have this really sweet moment where, you know, Gilly just fully understands that he's never going to have that family life. And, uh, and it's time for them to move on, which is really sad, right? Yeah, absolutely heartbreaking because you want to see Gilly, you know, finally get that 
piece of happiness that he's been looking for that he's been building towards with all this progress he's made um but yeah it's it's a, a clearly never going to happen now that the uh i forget her name but the the girl and and jacob her, his son have decided to move on um yeah it's just a heartbreaking moment yeah it really is and if you if you if you watch the episode and you're wondering why we haven't talked about creeper Stay, stick with us. I think that's uh, we're going to say that's towards the end. Um, but I want to talk about I want to move ahead a bit more with what happened with Isaac and Letty and Hope. So Isaac ends up after getting the information about uh, the Broken Saints, he gathers his crew and they head on out on their motorcycles, presumably to wreak some sort of havoc on the Broken Saints. But what this does is it leaves Letty with the chance to uh, to break in. And boy, she doesn't have a good plan. Um, <laughs> Letty, as usual, just going in half cock. Yeah, she really is, man. Uh, she's got like what a knife or something, and and is like breaking into the son's bar, and she gets all the way to the room that Hope is in with Boston Terry. Who, if you remember, Boston Terry's kind of been getting a lot of the 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 shit from Isaac. He's the one who's had to get all the intel from Jess. Uh, he's the one who's, you know been kind of getting the the brunt of the the backlash from Isaac and he's done he's he's over and and I think the straw that broke the camel's back is seeing Isaac basically torturing hope and and he wants to help hope and when Letty breaks in all you know guns blazing so to speak all that she has between her and hope is Boston Terry and Boston Terry decides to betray his brothers and shoot all the women in the bar and let Letty and hope leave which is uh, kind of shocking. Did you did you see that coming? No, definitely not. But it makes total sense when you're looking at it in hindsight. You know, this guy knows what Isaac's going to do. He laid it out right in front of him, and he wants no part in that. And, you know, they get their small bit of hope, <laughs> pun intended, uh, to to get out and, and just kind of try and make it on their own. But as as we both know. Yeah. So, so let's have that. <laughs> let's let's talk about that. So Letty and Hope are now on the run, and Letty's excited. She's you know, she's still kind of you got to imagine that adrenaline's flowing, and she's trying to plan what's next. And you see the look on Hope's face where she realizes there's there's no next because Isaac will find them, and Isaac won't stop until she he finds her because as we've seen with Isaac, he never forgets, and and he will move mountains to. Uh, to, to find the people he wants to find. And so they stop the car and they have this really pretty moment where hope is talking about how, you know, thanking Letty for having, you know, a home for her and being a friend. And, and it, it almost kind of recontextualizes their relationship for me, because what you see in my eyes as like what started as their mutual love of Coco kind of bringing them together, they developed yeah. this like super deep bond and, mm -hmm. uh, Hope knows that the best way to protect Letty is to kill herself. And she says, he's going to keep coming for me and he'll hurt you. I love you. Now I have to set you free. And she jumps in front of a semi and it is uh, heartbreaking, right? Yeah, it's it's the moment that you you knew was kind of coming is when that scene started. Like you see the wheels turning in Hope's eyes and you're just like, oh, this isn't going to end well. And she chooses the way out that you expect standing on side on the side of a highway. So yeah, it's, it sucks, but man, it, was there any other way for her? 
in her eye in her eyes. Yeah. I mean, it's you always want to believe that killing yourself is never the right option. Right. But in this world that that Mayans has created, you really do find logic in what Hope is saying in that, you know, maybe she didn't have to kill herself, but the idea that she understands that Isaac will do anything to find her really just it leaves her without you know hope you know and it, and she just the only way she knows how to protect letty is by doing that yeah but does it ultimately solve the problem if you really think about it like isaac's still gonna go for letty right i mean isaac has less of a reason right like if mm. if, if his reason was because he found out that hope was with her uh sure she's coco's daughter but he's already kind of let her go so maybe he doesn't really see much point. I don't know. Hmm. We'll, we'll see. We will find out. <laughs> so now let's talk about Creeper and the fallout of that death. So Creeper died and we, you had to assume that the mines would pay some respects because Creeper is a huge character and a huge member of the club. And he died being loyal, but they, they, so they have a funeral and it is really uncomfortable as a viewer to watch this because everybody's apologizing and saying their condolences to Easy because Easy is the, the president. And there's a moment where they're having their funeral and they bring this like beautiful casket to the clubhouse. And, and Creeper's sister stands in front of everybody and just talks about how Creeper loved Easy so, so much. Yeah. And it's like a knife in your heart, isn't it? Mm-hmm. it's a knife in his heart too you could tell like even though he did it he didn't this is gonna this is gonna haunt him you know and obviously that that comes in his kind of eulogy yeah so so eventually easy goes in front of everybody and he says like you know i killed my brother it was on my watch if i made different decisions he'd still be there i couldn't protect him and i'll never forgive myself for and everybody that's true right Yes. Well, so it's it's a double meaning, right? For for easy, he's basically admitting <laughs> to to being the man responsible for for Creeper's death, for ordering the hit. But for everybody else, they're thinking like, oh, poor Easy, he didn't, you know, gain control of the prisons in time, and it was too late, and all that. When in actuality, he did, and he's the reason. So yeah, it's it's really uncomfortable, but also really sad. But the the big thing that I think happens is Creeper's girlfriend ex-girlfriend cody shows up and she just like stares at easy and because we know that she knows mm-hmm. and we just i don't know about you i just assume maybe she'd kind of go away yeah i i thought so too i thought he was off you know kind of uh after the after creeper's death he was he was done with that but apparently shit's still going down Right. And it's one of those things where you're like, oh, she holds all the power now. She mm-hmm. really does. But yeah. And 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 easy knows, I think he knows at least something is going on with this woman. <laughs> yeah. But he, he he knows. So we don't really know kind of what the fallout of that's going to be. We can only assume that it's it's everything's not great for easy just yet. He still has quite a bit to, to figure out. And there's a moment where easy at the end is laying down with Sophia and she asks him basically like, you know, just talk with me, tell me what's going on. Cause clearly he's holding stuff back and, and, and especially like this creeper situation. And she threatens him in a, you know, relationship sort of way and says like, you know, Hey, you're losing me. 
and easy just kind of lays there. Uh, yeah. So, so we're seeing that while he's winning the battles, he might be losing kind of the ultimate war, which is his love. Uh, yeah. What would do you, do you think Sophia's would, would leave him at this point? Absolutely. And she should <laughs> um, <laughs> run, run. Oh, I think that's kind of what he does. Like he realizes what being around him is like and what it's going to do to people. And when she says you're losing me, I think he's doing nothing on purpose. Like he wants her to to go, but he doesn't want to ask her to leave, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, she should get as far away from him as possible. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. One more thing about Creeper's death, which I thought was great. I don't know uh, what you thought about it, but there's a, uh, you know, because in previous funeral scenes that we've seen in this series, they drink, you know, alcohol, they, they party. But at Creeper's death, everybody has water bottles because Creeper, a large part of his character was being sober. What did you think about that? Did you did you catch on to, to what they were doing? Yeah, it was a sweet little touch to kind of like have a, a last send off to him. Um, I thought that was very good. I liked yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the fallout of Luisa's death, which as tragic and as sad as Creeper's death was, Luisa's is is extra tragic in my mind because she didn't even leave a note. Nobody knows what the hell happened to her. And, and you know, we don't know if they'll ever find out what happened to her. So mm-hmm. so Angel is left with Maverick trying to figure out what's going on. And in his mind, uh, at the end of the last episode, he said, you know, like, don't worry, she'll be back. She'll, you know, her phone will have been off and it'll be fine. He goes back home and, and we see that, you know, obviously she doesn't come back home. And he's starting to understand that he now will have a life without her. And so he goes to... He goes to Felipe's house at the end of this episode and he says he can't be at home without Luisa and Felipe says, you know, this is always, this has always been your home will always be your home. So it looks like, it looks like angels coming to terms with the idea in his mind that Luisa left them, um, which, which is terrible, right? Like what, what do you think of that? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, he's never going to find closure because of the way, you know, she went out. So it's just kind of sad to see him flailing and, you know, struggling with this, but it's, it's gotta be something that he'll get through. And obviously Felipe is always going to be there for him as yeah. long as he's around at least. Um, but yeah, the thing I was, I was wondering is like, okay, you're not going back to the place. Did you take the money, man? Like she left a <laughs> lot of money there, dude. <laughs> I assume he took the money. I mean, <laughs> come on. Uh, yeah. But I mean, even still, it wasn't like millions of dollars. Like, no, it, it was a good it, good chunk of change. Yeah, it'll help. It'll help. But yeah, it's it's just really sad that, you know, they had this like wonderful relationship, Angel and, and Luisa. And, and to see it kind of end this way without, like you said, without any closure and with with these questions that will inevitably go through Angel's mind throughout his life. Like, you know, what happened? Where is she? You know, in 20 years, is he going to still be expecting her to come home? You know, like, ugh, just heartbreaking. Probably, you know, like if he makes it out at a lot. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, Uh, that's not a guarantee for anyone on this show. I guess uh, it's not, unfortunately. So let's talk about what Isaac ended up doing at the end of this episode. So there's kind of a, a funny moment where if you remember in last episode, I think it was last episode where the Mayans went to. Uh, the Broken Saints, there was this moment where Bottles had this like flirtation with a a woman in the Broken Saints talking about like, will you be here Friday or whatever? He's like, yeah. 
And there was this joke like between Bottles and Gero, like, who was she talking to? Pretty Boy thinks, oh, she was talking to me. I side with Bottles on this. I think yeah, you I side think with Bottles. bottles yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so they're, they're still having this kind of like silly back and forth, the the two Mayans guys. And and they both have to go to, to the Broken Saints. And there's a moment where they're driving and they're like basically fake arguing about who she meant. And they have to stop and get gas. But Bottles knows if he gets out of the car, then Gero will leave. Gero knows if he gets out of the car, Bottles will leave. And so their ultimate decision, which I think is so classic, is they don't get gas. <laughs> right. Now, let's not get out together and get gas. Let's just both keep going until this van won't move anymore. Right. And and that's what ends up happening is the, the van runs out of gas. And they're trying to figure out what's going on or trying to figure out like what to do next. And they see uh, what seems like fire on the horizon and smoke. And they rush up there and they see that the broken saints uh, little compound is in flames, particularly the, uh, the, the drug house, I guess the, the yeah. cookhouse. Mm-hmm. And we, it looks yeah, like pulling uh, bodies out. Yeah. It looks like a bad situation, right. which we know now immediately you're thinking, Elio, are you alive? Yes, especially because Bottles is there, like looking for his buddy, you know? But as we know, there were multiple people working in that drug house. Maybe Elio was taking a smoke break. Maybe he was <laughs> sleeping for the night. We don't know. Um, but there's but it still does... hope for the Bottles and Elio spinoff. There's, there's still, still hope. hope. There's still hope. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that complicates things, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. To keep the the alliances, to keep everything going, Easy needs the drugs. Isaac probably knows this, and that's why he he did it. Yeah. So what do what do you think Easy is gonna do next? <laughs> uh, take take whatever he needs to cook and bring it over to uh <laughs> some other gang's spot, you know, <laughs> or just relocate it back to to yeah. you know home base. Well, I mean. They've, they, so what do you go? Do you go to the Grim Bastards and be like, so I know Isaac like blew up our last one. And then before that, one of our own guys died. But but trust <laughs> me, it's safe. It's fine. It's good. I don't know about any of that. What they don't know don't, won't hurt them. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I think is for sure is the Broken Saints are uh, not going to be fans of easy. Reyes oh, right yeah, now. that's true. That's true. You know, it was uh, he was already struggling to win them over and. All, I mean, really, wherever Easy goes, death follows, and and boy, oh boy, doesn't look good. Yeah. Only only a couple episodes left. This war has to end somehow, and, and you know it's gonna have to come to a head pretty quickly here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, what, what what were your overall thoughts on this episode? It was it wasn't a breather episode, but it, it was also uh, not nearly as as intense as last episode, right? Yeah, there weren't a half dozen deaths in this. <laughs> this episode yeah which i suppose you know having only a couple <laughs> well they have to have characters in the dozen deaths you know they, they need the a character in the that. final episode right they need somebody yeah. to survive at least to make it through the final episode um because otherwise you know you can't have a show with no cast so right they got to space these deaths <laughs> god are they gonna kill them all in these next two let's hope not <laughs> uh would you would you would you put it past them no, I just want bottles, you know, to make it out alive, and I want Angel and Mav to be okay, you know. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's our mantra is save bottles, Maverick and Angel. Yeah. <laughs> as sad as it is to say, everybody else is kind of collateral damage. Just as yeah. long as those three survive, we're good. And easy is the main character, but everybody knows he's got it coming. Like if right? he died, everyone would be like, yeah, that, that makes sense. It, let's let's we got two episodes left. Let's briefly talk about this real quick. What are the odds that easy makes it out alive in your eyes? I mean, w- the way the sun's ended, you just kind of assume that this is a doomed story for easy as well. Maybe that's just kind of built in with how that last series ended. But the way he's, you know, stacking the deck and the 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 things he has coming down around him, let's not r- forget that, you know, the FBI and the cartels are probably going to be yeah. pretty damn pissed at him, too. So they're going to be coming down on him. Broken Saints aren't happy with him. The sons, obviously, Isaac is still on a rampage. One of these has got to kill him, right? <laughs> you think. Yeah, it, I, I think of the Matrix, you know, and there's Neo dodging all the bullets. I, I don't think Easy has it in him to dodge every bullet. Like one of them has to stick, right? Yeah. You'd think. It's just, or, it's, or he, you know, he gets Sophia killed in the end, you know, the, the last uh, miserable kind of beat might be that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that that wraps it up for our discussion of this episode. Uh, like I said, stay stick around. I've got a, a an interview with with Rocco Vargas, uh, plays Gilly in the show, who who co wrote this episode, where we we talk a little bit about uh, Gilly's uh, Gilly's story. I will remind you. I said it in previous episodes as we led up to this. When I recorded this interview, I didn't know anything about season five. And there's a moment where he mentions that Jacob's his son. And I'm like, oh, wow. okay," because I didn't even know that. Um, So if you're wondering why I didn't ask questions about like, you know, Creeper's death and the funeral and all that, I just I didn't know. I didn't know any of that was happening when we talked. So a lot of it is he was dropping spoilers left and right. And you're going, wait, what? 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 No, no. But what I ended up doing is I want to talk about why he wanted to to get into screenwriting and also his own history, because if you guys don't know, um, he comes he's an army ranger, former army ranger and has been in the thick of it so a lot of the story of gilly that we've seen in the past few few years is uh is stuff from from vincent vargas's life so it's really interesting again elgin just taking what everybody knows and making it part of their character it's crazy how he can do that and and make it all make sense but that's exactly that's exactly what he's doing so yeah it feels super organic to everybody so it's working it is all right, but uh, next week we'll be back. Penultimate episode. Exciting stuff. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. So stick around for that. I want to start by talking about uh, Coco's story just a little bit. <gasps> I know. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, uh, your character, Gilly, started to get a lot more to do, so to speak, in yep. season three with Coco's story. But I feel like th- we really dug deep into Gilly in season four. Um, learning more about his past and all that, you got to work with CM Punk. You know that's how yeah, cool is which that. Which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but it also uh, allowed you, to, I guess, to bring in kind of your own history, your own background into the show. So, what was mm-hmm. it like integrating your own personal lived experiences with this character that you've lived with for three, four years at that point? Um, you know, it was really awesome when they said my character was military. They said he was a veteran, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Maybe one day it'll turn into something for my character. Uh, and then 
then after season three, going into season four, it started to really make more sense. And being able to do that was kind of valuable. I remember Elgin asked me to, if I'm interested, to write down some personal stories of what do you think in the direction of my character? What would you like to see? And in those meetings, you know, I said, well, I'd love to write just my personal story and just see if you want to use any of it. And he ended up taking that and using it uh, in a way that I thought was really valuable for veterans. And so it was cool. It's, it's been very cool to play. It's it's not challenging, but I think it's it's great to be able to play a kind of a, a, a veteran who's struggling with something, you know, and a deeper level and getting the, the world gets to see that as well. So, yeah, uh, for people who don't know, you were in the military for a long time. Yeah. Um, and you've been really open about the struggles, I guess, you faced afterwards. So uh, in those conversations with Elgin, was that something that you wanted to, to integrate in the character? Or was that something he approached you about? Yeah, I think it was kind of I, I wanted to tell him I, like I gave him some papers of my story and allowed him to choose. He was very sensitive to making sure that I was completely comfortable with telling uh, my side of things. And, uh, you know, he, he did what he did with it, and I thought it was beautiful the way he did it. Yeah, definitely. And so <laughs> I, I, one thing I noticed about Mayans and just uh, even Sons is a lot of the characters come from military backgrounds. And I'm curious, as somebody who, like, literally did come from a military background, why do you think, because it's not, obviously not just the show, but why do you think people from the military kind of find some sort of solace in this lifestyle? Yeah, it's the brotherhood. It's camaraderie. You know, you you get out of the military and you you miss that. You know, and you're looking for it again. You're looking for a, a purpose. You know, a lot of people they they sense they they tend to lose their identity and then they're trying to look for it again. And it seems like a, a motorcycle club uh, has been that place for a lot of veterans for many years. And the beginning of, of Hell's Angels, the begin, beginning of many different uh, MCs out there. Uh, it's a place of brotherhood, camaraderie, and there's kind of a threat level to it that I think is kind of comfortable. You know, riding that motorcycle and every time you get on there, there's a little bit of a, a threat to your own life. And I think that thrill alone is something that a lot of us continue to chase. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about the one line in season three that you maybe don't even remember. <laughs> I okay. remember. Oh. Okay, well, first, I'll ask you, what line do you think I'm about to mention? Uh, the Jax Teller line yes. where, I say, yeah, where I say, who gives a fuck? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is maybe my favorite line of season three. And I think as a, as a viewer, um, mm. having I didn't even speak to Elgin at that point. That, for me, was kind of the, the moment where the series turns, where you start to realize what the mission is, what, what Elgin is saying. So when you when you read the script, when you're acting out that line, did you have any idea that it would kind of be the beginning of this culmination that you would be experiencing a couple I, I years did, later? Yeah, I didn't know it would be the beginning of kind of the the shifting in our in our kind of world, but I did know it would have an impact with the fans. I, I as soon as I read it, I was like, oh shit, because <laughs> I knew. Um, there was still this very loyal Sons of Anarchy uh, connection out on social media that was attacking us and and hoping we wouldn't ruin the the ideologies of Sons. And so when that line, when I read it, I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be interesting. And, you know, I wanted to deliver it with the same respect of what Gilly would feel towards, you know, another, you know, the, the, the you know, what he would feel towards Jax Teller, he wouldn't care, right? Gilly is a Mayan, you know what I mean? And Jax is, that's the, 
that's the sons of anarchy's little messiah right not ours and so and that was a different generation of messiah right so the respect that emilio has or his character alvarez has towards Jax is not the same respect of what our generation does and so when i said that line i felt like it really put things into perspective for the audience and for ourselves is like we don't give a fuck about Jax teller and it wasn't easy for people to hear and it was kind of the beginning of the new era of who we are yeah it the, the line is, for people listening, it's uh, Steve, the prospect, says, who's Jax Teller? And Gilly responds, who the fuck cares? Yeah. And it's such a like a stand-up-and-cheer moment for myself. I was like, that is, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. So, you know, bravo to that. And I'm glad that you remember that. Yeah, I knew it because it got, we got a lot of uh, buzz on social media for it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> What's that been like also, by the way? Because you guys are a spinoff, but I feel the shows are so completely different. And the messaging is so completely different. What's that like, you know, trying to be Mayans but living under that shadow? Uh, it's interesting. I think we've we've already kind of established ourselves of, of we stand on our own, which has been beautiful to, to have. But, you know, I, th- I have to respect it. You know, we I don't think we would have had such a great outing in the beginning if it wasn't for them as well. So uh, I hope that we were able to transition a lot of those fans into Mayans fans as well. And I think we'll continue to to uphold their legacy of Sons of Anarchy and Mayans, and, and I think we both can stand on that rock together. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk about uh, this season, and let's talk about uh, the cool transition for you as a person. You were able to transition into the writing role. Yeah. Um, was that something when you uh, were talking with Elgin before? Was that something you've always had in mind? Like, how did that come about? Yeah, I've always wanted to be a writer in Hollywood. I just didn't know how to get there. You know, um, I was doing YouTube stuff and, and then producing stuff on my own, and wanting to get into the legitimate writing space was was just kind of foreign to me. Uh, and then I graduated from the Writers Guild Veteran is a Veterans Writers Guild program, as a writing program. And when I graduated from that, I had the confidence to tell Elgin, like, I'm interested. Uh, but at that point, like I said, I already kind of, I wrote a lot of my story. And so I think he was able to see that I had a voice that, that might be unique to the show or for the show. And so I asked him uh, for the opportunity and he gave me the opportunity was it more like you know you're letting people direct let me write <laughs> no because i i have him at a really high respect elgin you know has given me a lot of opportunity it's kind of changed my life you know and so i kind of asked him i said hey i would love to ask her for 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 something and and not as a favor but more so as like i feel like i've put in the work and and i could prove myself and i showed him i graduated from the writing course i showed him some of my uh, writing samples and he wanted to allow me to take this journey that's awesome so let's talk specifically about this episode uh not only do you get to write an episode but it's one of the final like three episodes and there's obviously a lot of uh a lot that goes into that this is a series finale season this is this is a big deal so did you feel any pressure having that and then also the content of the episode and how it relates to your character yeah, you know, um, episode eight is a tough one in the writers' room when we're talking about the whole layout of the show. Uh, it tend to a lot of the storylines fell and landed and ended on, on on episode eight, which made it stressful for me and you know my co-writer Sean. Sean is just uh, he's been writing for the show for many years and he's extremely talented. And um, Sean was like, "Hey, I want you to do as much of this as you possibly can and, and just just go for it, and then I'll, I'll step in when I need to." And the pressure was on because. The voice of Elgin. Elgin is a poet. Elgin is is very poetic in how he uses his words and, and his messaging and learning uh, how to 
kind of try and write like him was the, probably the biggest challenge and the biggest, probably my biggest insecurity. But being able to do things like a lot of the episode had my, my character storyline and where it ended, you know, and, and my character storyline was kind of the emotional side of Gilly, you know, his relationship with Ray and, and Jacob. Um, and obviously by episode eight, we've already found out that Jacob is his birth son it's his blood son and so it's probably a spoiler alert for you <laughs> and i'm sorry i'm sorry for those listening i have not seen the episode yeah. yet we're recording this way i'll have well i have a time but thank you um and i think you know gilly has to make a decision on whether he continues with trying to be this dad to this little boy or does he continue to follow the life of the mc and he makes a decision and uh he's got to stick with that and so uh it's going to be kind of an emotional roller coaster for Gilly's character, and especially episode eight. We actually start to wrap up his closing out his story uh, in that episode, which was kind of a blessing that it fell on the episode that I'm writing. You know, it kind of helped me. I was able to put a lot of emotion behind that of what it's like of being a father and 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 what it would be like to to have to make that choice between you know one one group of friends or your family, and so. Um, it, it's almost something that I live daily with being an actor and living in Utah and flying to LA. I, I have to make a choice every day to say bye to the kids and come to work. And so, uh, it was a really cool episode. And you know, there's a couple other spoilers I won't give you because I think I think uh, I don't want to ruin it for you. But thank you. But it's a really gorgeous episode and it's a very emotional episode. And um, I'm I'm just blessed to be a part of it. Great. And and before I let you go, yesterday I spoke with Emilio and I asked him this question. I think it's kind of interesting given. Uh, his character is so much of him and your character is so much of you. Um, obviously, Gilly had a life pre-Mayans. Mm-hmm. We, we've touched on it a little bit, and I'm sure season five touches on it a little bit more. But do you are there moments in Gilly's life that you would really love to see explored in some format or, or that you think about that kind of gnaws at you? You know... Um I love that we were able to expose the kind of the struggles of what he has. It seems like a post-traumatic stress slash, you know, conflicted with lifestyles, you know, his, his veteran lifestyle that he seemed to have run away from and then his MC lifestyle that he's run to. Uh, I, I think we got to explore the other side of him this season. I think that's what was cool and I was excited to do that the side, the emotional side of connection with with a, a potentially another uh, a love interest or or his son, you know, and I think yeah. that was a side I didn't expect we'd ever get to and we did. And so the only thing you could ever do is talk about the past and his military experience and maybe what gave him the original trauma. So that would probably be the only thing I'd ever ask to see. Yeah, yeah. I know season four talked about it was a Mosul um, and I you can you can just tell me if season five does, but uh, I, I I was always whenever that, that that hint was dropped, I was like I wonder what that was. Yeah, and so we give a little bit more, but I think what's what's important about that is not giving too much and allowing right. the audience to to imagine that trauma and what it might be. Yeah, because it was something that clearly shaped him so much, and it clearly shaped me as well. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Well, thank you so much uh, for talking about this. This is, this is great. Uh, and I'm super excited for, for everybody to see episode eight and, and to see you flourish in oh. the next step of your career. So I'm just, I was uh, honored that you wanted to interview me. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.